0: Hello and welcome to this week's Cosmic Creating Show. My name is Jan Shaw, I'm known as The Success Alchemist. You can find me at thesuccessalchemist.net, that's my coaching website, the WebAlchemist.net, where I do WordPress web development, websites with soul, and Empowered Manifestation, my manifestation book. And you can find me on Facebook and YouTube, Jan Shaw, The Success Alchemist, And on Twitter at Coach Jan Shaw. And today's show, which is on the 29th of January 2022, is titled COVID Vax Trucker Protest Durham Investigation. And maybe some other things too. We'll see if I can fit those in. I mean, so much is going on at the moment. Every week is hard to keep up with everything, and certainly hard to squeeze everything into an hour show. So I want to start with a video I watched earlier in the week, which was shared with me. I think it was shared actually last week, and it's by Dr. Fleming. And um, he has a website, FlemingMethod.com. And it dates back to October of last year. And this actual page is the Pfizer vaccine blood. And I wanted to share this, and I'm going to share some more on COVID, because really this is what this convoy is all about, fighting these mandates which are forcing... A, in effect, a bioweapon on people, not to mention the mask mandates and everything else. And, you know, so many more people are standing up against this. And so they should, when we see the kind of information that's coming out. I mean, we always knew that it was a scam, a, a plannedemic, and that it was intended to further this Eugenics depopulation agenda, but of course, many people didn't realize this and they're just waking up to it. So, you know, the more we can share this information out there, the more people are going to be waking up and saying no instead of just saying, Oh, just get the vaccine. It's only a vaccine, it's just like all the others, which of course we know is um, completely false. So, um, I made some notes. I'm just going to follow or Cover the key points in this, and how Dr. Fleming and his associates approached this what was an experiment and they examined blood a sample of blood and saline under the microscope and then they examine the pfizer vaccine and the blood after adding a drop of the vaccine and they also examine the blood after putting in a drop of saline solution just so they could compare the effects. And these were their findings. Now, contrary to what a lot of people are putting out there, um, they didn't find graphene chips or any of these funny-looking parasites or eggs or funny-looking creatures in the vaccine. But they did find a lot of garbage material meaning that it fails the accepted standards for a product injected into people. Um, And this is a failure on the part of the FDA in terms of their approval process. Now, I would like to add at this point that we know that there is a difference in the batches. Um, The VAERS report shows that there are certain batches that seem to be responsible for the majority of the adverse reactions and uh so it really depends on what batch of vaccines um was used in this experiment because obviously they seem to not have a standard set of um ingredients which um is very suspect in itself because if you've had something approved it's supposed to be approved with a particular set of ingredients, which we've seen isn't the case with these so-called vaccines. And Dr. Fleming goes on to say it is a legal product liability issue. And he explains those who sell a defective product that unreasonably threatens the personal consumer is legally liable. So the blanket immunity from liability no longer stands. It opens the door for legal lawsuits against the vaccine makers. The FDA sent letters to Dr. Fleming saying they were happy with the product. Either they haven't looked at the product or there's a new standard of garbage that's allowed in drug vaccines that isn't allowed in any other FDA product. The vaccine affects the blood. It becomes very pale in color. So it has either destroyed the hemoglobin, which obviously carries the oxygen or affected the the ability to transport oxygen. The Pfizer vaccine causes a desaturation of the blood, removing the oxygen from the red blood cells. Uh, There's a loss of vibrant color. The examination showed oxygen desaturation of red blood cells, initiation of inflammothrombotic clustering and clotting of red blood cells, and significant contamination of the Pfizer-BioNTech DVB, whatever that means. Fleming and the other doctors involved in this examination call upon the FDA and others to replicate this experiment and for the FDA, CDC and other government agencies to call for an immediate investigation of these three significant problems. And in quotes, until resolved, we are calling for the immediate cessation of the current vaccination programme until it can be proven that these three life-threatening problems have been corrected. The FDA gave emergency use authorization approval When there was no benefit from the vaccine statistically for COVID cases or deaths, the FDA failed miserably in the evaluation of these vaccines. Dr. Fleming et al. have provided this evidence to the parties who filed the lawsuit with the International Criminal Court, and I covered that last week. They have evidence of real harm and real damage and garbage in these vaccines. They invited Pfizer and Moderna to respond to concerns at the beginning of January 2021. They gave the FDA the opportunity to respond to concerns and just got a standard form letter saying, thanks for your concern, but we've got you covered. We're doing our job. This experiment shows they are not doing their job. The adverse reactions in VAERS are exactly what you would expect when you see these effects of the vaccine on blood in the experiment and i refer you to several other pages on the flemingmethod.com website Um, there's one on the international criminal court medical heroes for you humanity and stand up be heard so they're really asking people to you know stand up against these vaccine mandates and that's what we're seeing with these um trucker convoys um, so on the same subject, the Belarus president says COVID isn't dangerous. It's a sickness in the head and the international criminals are essentially using the pandemic for their agendas. He gets it. And I think it's Nigeria that just destroyed thousands, maybe millions of vaccines, uh, vaccine vials which um, because basically they know that this thing is um, a bioweapon and, of course, totally ineffective against COVID in terms of stopping the spread and stopping the um, or reducing the symptoms. The hospitals are full of people that have COVID who are supposedly fully vaccinated. In New York, the mask mandates have been overturned. Uh, lawmakers have to make the law, not governors, etc. And then I have an article from Gateway Pundit. I've never seen as many deaths. It's around a 500 or 600% increase. Funeral director in UK reveals increasing number of thrombosis deaths in vaccinated young adults. And this was published yesterday on the 28th. Funeral director John O'Looney of Milton Keynes Family Funeral Services in Milton Keynes, England, shared in his recent interview with KLA.tv that deaths are at unprecedented levels at young people in their 20s, 30s and 40s and all were vaccinated. I actually lived in Milton Keynes and my first daughter was born there and I worked there as well. I have to say some of the grammar in these articles really leaves a lot to be desired but anyway according to john along with a group of experts they are seeing an increase in number particularly of thrombosis deaths thrombosis occurs when blood clots block veins or arteries can be life-threatening such as a stroke or heart attack so what we're seeing is an ever-growing number particularly of thrombosis deaths interestingly So that comes across as heart attack, aneurysm or stroke, and they're in unprecedented numbers. I've never seen as many deaths, and not in just the elderly. It's all manner of people, people in their 20s, in their 30s and 40s, and people that wouldn't normally be dying, you know. And this was predicted, and it's come to pass, John said. John said the increase of thrombosis deaths this year is way greater than the previous 14 years, And it's around 500 or 600% increase. Well, to give you an amount, I mean, a greater than any one of those 14 years, the increase is phenomenal, though. It's not a two or threefold increase. It's around a 500 or 600% increase, that kind of number. And generally, on the odd occasion, you will get a thrombosis. It will be an elderly person. It's not people in their 20s and 30s and 40s. And they're all jabbed, John added. He said that nine out of 10 with blood, blood clots were vaccinated. I've got doctors and police ringing me, nurses ringing me, all saying the same thing. It's a total lie. On our media, they're saying the hospitals are full of the non-vaccinated. That's a total fabrication. It's the polar opposite. Nine out of 10 patients in there full of blood clots are the vaccinated. I've heard that from so many professionals that I've lost count. So whether you choose to believe it or not, it makes it no worse. That is the truth. That is the reality. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink, he added. As a funeral director, John said he can see the course of death because it's written down by the coroner and it's emailed to him. As a funeral director, I don't need to see the death certificate, but what I do see is the coroner's paperwork. So wherever there's a sudden death, the coroner is involved and he writes what's called a Form 6. And part of my job as a funeral director is to collate the paperwork and collate the application for cremation because the vast majority of funerals in the UK are cremation. I'd say about 5% are burials and that tends to be a cultural thing, you know. So I see this paperwork and I have to go through this paperwork and check this paperwork and make sure it's correct. And I see the cause of death because it's written down by the coroner and it's emailed to me. So I then print it off, check through it. And if there's a problem, if there's a mistake, I would get back to the coroner and get it resent. you know, John said. John was infected with COVID last year. He believed that the virus exists, but it is recoverable and it's not this deadly pandemic. Don't get me wrong. There is a COVID. There is a COVID. There is a virus out there. And I've spoken to many people and I've had it myself. So it is out there, but it is recoverable. It's not this deadly pandemic. It's not something that requires experimental gene therapy every 12 weeks for the next five years, John said. And the article it does include the actual interview uh, from KLA.tv in there. So he's basically echoing what Dr. Fleming has said about the experiment he did with the blood and the um, vaccine sample. So last Sunday, I think it was, uh, we had the uh, march against the mandates in D.C. Uh, Epoch Times reports on it. Defeat the Mandates, Thousands Protest in Washington Against Vaccine Requirements. And it's got a, a photo showing the thousands of people in the crowd on the 23rd outside the um, the Capitol, I think it is. Oh, no, the Lincoln Memorial. Thousands of people turned out in Washington to march in protest against COVID-19 vaccine mandates on January 23rd one of the largest U.S. events and protests held against the mandates since the start of the pandemic. Starting at 12.30 local time, thousands of people marched around the Washington Monument to the Lincoln Memorial, with many holding signs decrying COVID-19 regulations, vaccine passports and mandates. Some criticized the Biden administration's vaccine mandates. In recent weeks, US COVID-19 cases have skyrocketed in areas that have high vaccination rates, once again casting a shadow on the effectiveness of the shots. And a recent Centers for Disease Control and Prevention study suggested that natural immunity is superior to vaccines against the Delta variant. It's superior generally, in my opinion. Federal officials freak Federal officials frequently say that vaccines protect against severe disease and hospitalisation. Former NBA star Quayne Brown, who has frequently criticised vaccine mandates on social media, told the Epoch Times that he attended because, I think we got to get back to compassion for our fellow man and woman. People are being put out of work over mandates, he said, on January 23rd in Washington. People are not being able to go over to their friends and family's house. I think everybody should have a right to choose whether they want to do it. And that's what America is supposed to be about. And it's got a series of photographs of the um, rally. Dr. Aaron Carrierty, who was fired three weeks ago by the University of California, Irvine, for challenging the school's mandatory COVID-19 vaccine policy, similarly told the Epoch Times on January 23rd, Americans need to recover our right to assembly and our right to public spaces. I think the most important thing about this event is that it is a public event and it's an opportunity for all of us to be together in solidarity and love for one another to speak up against coercive mandates to let doctors be doctors without other entities coming between a doctor's own medical judgment and caring for his patient. Cariety, who has become a frequent critic of vaccine passports and mandates, said he hopes this event will catalyse a movement in the United States. And while some media outlets have described the march as an anti-vaccine event, Cariety and march organization organisers said it's the mandates, not the vaccines that they oppose. Although, to be honest, they ought to be opposing the vaccines as well. One of the march's organisers told Fox News over the weekend that the rally is important to push back against what he described as increasingly coercive measures that are coming from the White House. You're going to hear a lot of talk on the left that this is a big anti-vax rally, that it's people coming in to deny science. March organiser Will Witt stated, but this march is about the mandate, and this march is about the draconian measures that we're seeing all across this country right now, especially in places like DC, New York City, Los Angeles, San Francisco. Senator Ron Johnson held a second round table. The first one, he had people in who had actually suffered from vaccine adverse reactions. This one was a bit different in that he um, he brought together uh, top doctors, literally speaking truth about the pandemic. That's the title of this article by n-volve.com. Fauci and the MSM are scared that you might see Senator Ron Johnson's panel with top doctors speaking truth about the pandemic. And, you know, it's a pity that some of the other senators aren't doing the same thing or supporting Ron Johnson in this. He seems to be the only one who's actually doing anything practical to get the truth out. Senator Ron Johnson, Republican Wisconsin, is the only member of Congress who cares about the truth being hidden by the mainstream media when it comes to the COVID pandemic. A group of doctors and other medical experts gathered in Washington, D.C. on Monday for a panel discussion on COVID-19 hosted by Senator Ron Johnson. This was published four days ago, so the 25th. The specialists include Dr. Robert Malone, Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. Brett Weinstein, Dr. Jay Batakaria, Dr. Ryan Cole, Dr. Harvey Reich, Dr. George Farid, Dr. Pierre Corrie, Dr. Richard Urso, Dr. Paul Marick, Dr. Aaron Cariati, and Dr. David Wiseman. Of course, the mainstream media wouldn't dare cover this, so OAN Rumble and Infowars Info will be some of the only places you can watch the COVID 19, a second opinion roundtable symposium in its entirety and it's got a the full video included in this uh, article. I believe there's also a shortened version um, that lasts about 40 minutes, I think, that has really condensed down the key points from this roundtable that's probably easier to watch from a time scale point of view. The three-hour-long discussion was packed full of information the world needs to hear as the majority of speakers have been attacked and silenced by the establishment. One viral moment came when Dr. Ryan Cole detailed how a 50-year-old obese diabetic man called him saying he had COVID and was heading to the emergency room. I said, you're going to the pharmacy, don't go to the ER, the physician explained. I called in some early treatment medications of the drugs which shall not be named. Said individual calls me a couple of hours later and says, you know that excruciating 9 out of 10 lung pain? It's now 2 out of 10 six hours later. He continued, a few hours later the next morning he calls me and says, you know that oxygen saturation of 86, it's now 98%. I said, isn't that fantastic? Early treatment works. That individual is my brother. I am my brother's keeper. And it's including a tweet from Ron Johnson, which has that part of the video included. At one point, Dr. McCullough asked the doctors, lawyers, scientists, and others present to raise their hands if they had witnessed censorship, intimidation, or professional reprisal and damage as a result of their advocacy for patients. I want this to be recorded, he continued, as the majority of people in the room raised their hands. of this room have experienced something negative in their life in trying to promote and help compassionately something positive for patients suffering from a potentially fatal illness. And again, a tweet from Ron Johnson. Dr. Malone touched on the Omicron variant, saying we are truly blessed that Omicron has such low risk for disease and death. However, it has a warning sign. The doctor said the FDA and pharmaceutical industry are aware of the potential for antibody-dependent enhancement or vaccine-enhanced disease occurring due to the universal vaccination policy currently being promoted. What we risk is driving the virus through basic evolution to a state where it may be more pathogenic and more able to elude the immune response, he noted. We are clearly seeing the development of escape mutants that are resistant to the vaccine. Omicron is not only resistant to the vaccine, but its infectivity seems to be facilitated by the vaccine. Again, a tweet with the um, excerpt from Shane Malone. Dr Malone and other panellists also spoke about unvaccinated individuals being at more risk for catching the Omicron variant than unvaccinated people. This is a tweet from Wills Jacobson Legal. As regards the jabs and mandates, jabs are enhancing and replicating the spread of Omicron. Dr. Pierre Corey said there was a coordinated attack creating fear that prevented doctors from using early treatments for battling COVID out of fear of losing their job or medical license. Senator Johnson invited several federal health agency heads the CEOs of Pfizer and Moderna and others. And there's a list of all the people he invited, including uh, Rochelle Walensky, the director of the CDC, Fauci, of course, and a list of other um, heads of different organisations related to this. Uh, Scott Gobley, former commissioner of the FDA, and... Um, there's also representatives from Moderna, the CEO, Stefan Bansell. So uh, presumably they didn't show up. Also, don't miss Owen Stroyer's exclusive interview with Dr. Ben Marble, who went live on the Alex Jones show immediately after the Capitol Hill event ended. So that's really talking about the round table. And then included in that was a whistleblower who blew the whistle on the Defense Department data and this again was four days ago the 25th and it's again from n-volve.com and the title is Whistleblower Reveals Defense Department Manipulated Data to Show Lower Vaccine Side Effects. Senator Ron Johnson, Republican Wisconsin, convened and moderated a Senate panel debate titled COVID-19, a second opinion in which, he, in which claims were made that the Defense Department falsified COVID data to reflect lower side effects among U.S. troops and the real data being reported. Attorney Thomas Renz, who was defending three Defense Department officials, said the actual data reveals a 300% increase in miscarriages, a 300% increase in cancer, and a 1,000% increase in neurological disorders among U.S. military personnel, among other results. The attorney stated that the word corruption was used frequently during the panel discussion and that this whistleblower report involved corruption at the highest levels of government. He demanded an investigation into Defence Secretary Lloyd Austin and the entire Defence Department reporting machinery. While his office launches a whistleblower inquiry, Johnson has asked the Defence Department to preserve all documentation related to the immunisations. He stated that it appears to be data doctoring. The panel discussion lasted a heroic five hours and covered topics like cruelty and corruption, In the treatment of COVID-19, medical malfeasance, risks from remdesivir, big tech censorship, intimidation of doctors, vaccine mandates, along with the whistleblower report. And it goes on to explain that it was um, a group of world-renowned doctors and medical experts. The entire discussion was filled with explosive and emotional testimony that the leftist media likely will never cover. The panel waged a science-based attack on the entrenched powerful medical establishment and pleaded that the country needs to change course fast. And Ron Johnson tweeted out, why haven't we let doctors be doctors? Dr. Paul Marek's experience treating COVID-19 patients is heartbreaking. Dr. Paul Marek said he was forced from the hospital for not following covid czar Anthony Fauci's NIH protocols. He spoke emotionally as he described how the hospital administrator ordered him to stop prescribing off-label medications to his patients for the treatment of COVID-19, despite the fact that he saw they were working. Hospitals, he said, are dangerous places for sick people. And then my last um, piece before I move on to the convoy. This is something that was shared, I think it was on Facebook. Letter to the Archbishop of Canterbury from London's Jews for Justice, uh, dated Monday, 10th of January this year. Dr. Reverend Welby, on behalf of the organisation Jews for Justice, I'm writing to express our concern at your recent comments that it is somehow immoral to take a personal decision not to get vaccinated against COVID-19. I will not lecture you on the principles of bodily sovereignty and Christian inclusiveness, but I will alert you to the lessons of Nazi Germany. The current othering of the unvaccinated precisely reflects the othering of Jews in 1930s Germany. I speak not of the Holocaust, but of the events that preceded the Holocaust. The German parliament abolished the constitution on 23rd of March 1933, allowing Adolf Hitler to take complete control. Two years later, the Nuremberg laws excluded Jews from citizenship and introduced a citizenship certificate for the rest of the population in order to ensure their compliance to the regime. On twenty third of March 2020, the British Prime Minister overrode the unwritten constitution and placed the entire country under house arrest without precedent. A little less than two years later, the introduction of mandatory vaccinations for health workers and vaccine passports for the public at large will exclude the unvaccinated from the full rights of citizenship, and ensure the compliance of anyone who does possess such a passport with the diktats of the regime. National socialism in Germany subjugated the rights of individual citizens to the collective will of the state. Exactly the same is now happening here in Britain, and I would add, in parts of the US. Furthermore, although public hostility to Jews in Nazi Germany was evident from the beginning of the regime in 1933, Jews were not sent to concentration camps in any large numbers until 1938, nor enclosed in ghettos until 1939, nor forced to wear yellow identifying badges until 1941, and it was not until that same year of 1941 that concentration camps became extermination camps. So it was not evident in the mid-1930s where hostility to Jews in Germany would eventually lead. But we know what happened, and it is our duty to ensure that we learn the lessons of history. The function of our organisation, Jews for Justice, is to use our unique position as British Jews to warn the public at large how history is in danger of repeating itself. This is our sacred duty to our ancestors who died in the Holocaust. In Nazi Germany, the confinement of Jews within ghettos and their evacuation, in quotes, to concentration camps was justified by the regime on grounds of public health, in particular the threat of typhus. The very same public health justification is being used today to restrict the civil liberties of those who choose not to be vaccinated. And there's a large number of people in the Democrat side who are actually in favour of imprisoning unvaccinated Uh, I think we see a parallel here. That was my comment, by the way. People in public life, such as yourself, who stir up hostility to the unvaccinated are no different from those Nazis who stirred up hostility to the Jews in 1930s Germany. If you cannot see the parallel, it is because you are closing your eyes deliberately. You will also be aware that the German churches were conspicuous in their failure to speak out against the crimes of National Socialism. You are repeating that mistake. Finally, we are appalled that you should recently have compared the silence of politicians on the subject of climate change, a hypothetical future threat based entirely on modelling, to the silence of politicians on what was happening in Germany in the 1930s, yet have yourself been totally silent about an actual global attack on human rights which threatens the immediate destruction of liberal democracy in Britain and around the world. Yours sincerely, Andrew Barr, on behalf of Jews for Justice. And there's a link to a Telegram channel, um, Robin MG. And it's interesting because Robert Kennedy Jr. spoke at the March Against Mandates in D.C. And he compared the mandates and what's happening with the vaccines to the Holocaust, and he got major criticism, including a criticism from his wife on Twitter and saying she didn't agree with it and, you know, it was, uh, shouldn't have been said. I actually agree with him because when I covered the wartime presidency, uh, Article 4, it was describing the parallels between what is happening here with vaccines being forced on children, knowingly that it's going to have potential blood clots, myocarditis, pericarditis, you name it. Um, it's no different from the Nazi experimentations that happened in the concentration camps and before that with the, the mercy killing of people and so on. So in my view, it is comparable to the Holocaust, because this is a mass murder exercise with these bioweapons. So I stand by Robert Kennedy Jr., I have to say. Okay, so let's move on to this amazing uh, convoy of trucks that's happening in Canada. This is from Blaze Media and it was published on the 27th, which was Thursday. Truckers protest Canadian vaccine mandate with impressive freedom convoy. Truckers from across Canada are protesting vaccine mandates and other COVID-19 restrictions with a freedom convoy that began in British Columbia and is making its way to the nation's capital with tens of thousands of supporters. The convoy departed from Vancouver on Sunday and is headed towards Ottawa in protest of Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's vaccine mandate for all truck drivers crossing the border from the United States into Canada. As of Wednesday, the convoy has grown to a seemingly world record smashing length of 70 kilometres, 43 miles, according to Freedom Convoy spokesman Benjamin Dichter. It's 70 kilometres long, Dicta told the Toronto Sun. I have seen footage from an aeroplane. It's impressive. The Guinness world record for longest truck convoy is 7.5 kilometres, which was achieved by a convoy in Egypt in 2020. The Toronto Sun estimated that when the convoy reaches its destination for a planned protest in Ottawa Saturday, it could be as much as 10 times longer than the previous world record. The outlet reported there are as many as 50,000 trucks from western and eastern Canada participating, and even some joining from the United States. There is as yet no official recognition of the convoys' apparent record-breaking status. They've been cheered on by thousands of Canadians who have lined up along highways to stand in solidarity with the anti-mandate movement. Images and video po- posted to social media over the last several days show large crowds of people enthusiastically cheering the convoy, waving Canadian flags, and holding signs showing their support. One protester, Luan of Ontario, told Canadian journalist Kian Bexty of the counter signal that the truckers and their supporters were standing up for their freedoms. I am marching because I feel we have a right to choose whether we are vaccinated or unvaccinated. And they have tried to divide us, but they can't divide us anymore because we have come united, both the vaxxed and the unvaxxed, Luan said, in a video posted to Twitter. And it shows this tweet. Any mainstream media outlet that has called this convoy xenophobic or alt-right has my complete permission to use this interview. This protester is Luan, an indigenous Ontarian who braved the cold to show her solidarity with the convoy. Listen to her words. They are powerful. A GoFundMe account set up to raise money to cover the cost of fuel, food and lodgings for the protesters has raised over $6.3 million as of Thursday. But the funds won't be available until the donation page organizers show documentation on how the money will be properly dispersed. I'm surprised they use GoFundMe, actually, because it's notorious for withholding money from the fundraisers or even refunding all the donors um, on political grounds. A spokeswoman for GoFundMe said this was part of our standard process to ensure the protection of all donors. And once a withdrawal plan is provided by the organiser, our team is on standby to safely and quickly deliver the funds. The Canadian Trucking Alliance issued a statement over the weekend saying it strongly disapproves of protests on roadways, highways and bridges. The vast majority of the Canadian trucking industry is vaccinated with the overall industry vaccination rate among truck drivers, closely mirroring that of the general public. Accordingly, most of our nation's hard-working truck drivers are continuing to move cross-border and domestic freight To ensure our economy continues to function, the organisation said on its website, the group estimates that about 15% of Canadian truckers are not fully vaccinated, which is roughly 16,000 truckers. Trudeau has also condemned the protesters, calling them a small fringe minority who are on the way to Ottawa who are holding unacceptable views. Well, what we are hearing from some people associated with this convoy is completely unacceptable, he said at a news conference. And um, Trudeau's actually run away to hide, claiming the need to self-isolate after being in contact with a COVID-19 sufferer, even though he's fully vaccinated, triple vaccinated, and his own Policies say you don't need to self-isolate if you've got no um, symptoms and you're fully vaccinated. So he's obviously running away from all these truckers that actually today have arrived in Ottawa. And this is reported by Gateway Pundit as Brigade of Trucks reaches Canada's capital. Spineless PM Trudeau hides in COVID isolation despite two negative tests and guidelines saying fully vaxxed don't need to isolate and this was published yesterday old blackface trudeau is taking a pay straight out of biden's playbook the tyrannical canadian pm is currently holed up in his basement as tens of thousands of trucks and countless others begin arriving in the country's capital of ottawa to protest his autocratic covid 19 mandates and there's an uh, another article inserted here. Canadian Freedom Convoy 2022 is now the longest truck convoy on record at 43 miles long. Tens of thousands line highways to see history. On Wednesday, Trudeau began publicly smearing the truckers for daring to speak out against him, claiming baselessly that the group was a fringe minority which holds unacceptable views. The small fringe minority of people who are on their way to Ottawa who are holding unacceptable views that they are expressing do not represent the views of Canadians, Trudeau said as Canadian establishment media backed him up, again without evidence, falsely claiming that the truckers are a bunch of far-right white nationalists. Trudeau's slander amounts to a lot of tough, tough talk, but little else in true dictatorial fashion the Canadian leader wanted nothing to do with answering to what he views as the serfs that are under his oppression. Trudeau fled his government offices almost immediately after his statement on Wednesday. He opted instead to work from home for the next few days in a cowardly attempt to wait out the angry protesters who are in no way a French minority. The convoy has become the largest ever in history, and is expected to fully arrive in Ottawa at Trudeau's Parliament Hill this weekend, which prompted his speedy departure. Even though two separate tests have come back negative, and the guidelines he implemented himself specifically say that the fully vaccinated do not need to self-isolate, the triple-vax Trudeau refuses to come back to Ottawa to face the music until next week at the earliest. How pathetic. It's no wonder this coward hightailed it home to hide. These people aren't going anywhere. Just take a look at the scene in Ottawa as people begin to arrive. And it's got a video uh, tweeted by Aaron Ginn. Across the world, the narrative on COVID is rapidly collapsing as more people wake up. This is about tyranny versus freedom and the Canadian truckers are making that clear. Here is an epic, beautifully done video about why they're taking this stand together.
1: America's
0: patriots stand with you. God bless and Godspeed, truckers. The citizens of the world are watching you. And Epoch Times reported yesterday government overreach is coming to an end. Massive trunk, truck convoy heading to Washington after Ottawa. American truckers protesting against vaccine mandates and government overreach have been joining a record-breaking Canadian convoy of tens of thousands of vehicles headed to Ottawa. Brian Von D., the administrator at Convoy to DC 2022, announced that they will join forces to ride from California to Washington, adding that America is next. As the Canadian convoy moved from the west to the east, the American truckers have been filtering into this convoy and it is absolutely massive. It is known worldwide. It is the largest thus far, he said in a live video on Facebook. Tens of thousands of vehicles were reported to have departed from all parts of Canada. A large number from the United States have been joining along the way. Speaking about the upcoming U.S. convoy, He said it will start in California and it will end in DC and we're going to stay there just like Canada is doing, Brian said. You're going to have your main artery. Everybody will join in as they go down the interstate to DC. He added that dates and planned routes will be released soon on a website and various social media platforms and a GoFundMe page will only be released on their Convoy to DC 2022 Facebook page. Again, my comments about GoFundMe" and also about only having it available on their Facebook page because, as people have put in the comments, what's the likelihood that that will be taken down unless this person is um not actually who he claims to be? We'll have to see about that, so I'm not going to read any more of that article because i want before I move on to the Durham investigation, I just want to share something which was also shared on Facebook and it's actually an image and it's it's headed European Freedom Convoy and it's just showing how the convoy started by the Canadians has really inspired people around the world to do the same and it says let's get organized we will converge on Brussels as a united Europe and this is um, from telegram it's it's got a number of tele telegram channels for the different countries so the europe convoy it includes canada convoy australia convoy finland convoy netherlands convoy czechoslovakian convoy belgian convoy american convoy french convoy and more to come so this is spreading worldwide which is absolutely fantastic So we've had an interesting development in the Durham investigation. And this is from, uh, it's a Substack article, technofog.substack.com. Durham, DNC lawyer Mark Elias has given grand jury testimony and the criminal investigation of Sussman is ongoing. Today's special counsel, John Durham, provided a discovery update to the court in the Michael Sussman case, and this was the 25th. In this filing, available here, and there's a link to it, he disclosed that his team has obtained a tremendous amount of information, ranging from a variety of sources, including Perkins Coy, the Hillary Clinton campaign, and former DNC-clinton stroke lawyer Mark Elias, While Sussman has been charged with giving false statements to then FBI General Counsel James Baker regarding the Alpha Bank stroke Trump organization hoax, and he links to the background of that, which I've covered previously, Durham notes that the government also maintains an active ongoing criminal investigation of Sussman's conduct. In other words, Sussman's criminal conduct likely is not limited to false statements. There is more. If we are to make an educated guess, it may have to do with the conspiracy to accuse the Trump organization of having secret back channel communications with Alpha Bank. We discuss the potential for a conspiracy charge here, another link. Now to the evidence. Durham and his team have secured grand jury testimony from one former Perkins Coy partner and DNC stroke Hillary Clinton lawyer Mark Elias. Two Former FBI General Counsel James Baker. Three current CIA employees. Durham and his team have completed interviews of the following individuals. One, former FBI General Counsel James Baker. Two, more than 24 other current and former FBI employees. Three, current and former employees of the CIA and DARPA. Four, 12 employees of the Internet companies referencing the Sussman indictment. Five, the former chairman of DNC stroke Clinton law firm, Perkins Coy. Six, a former employee of the Clinton campaign. Seven, current and former employees of Georgia Tech involved in the Alpha hoax. Eight, an employee of Tech Executive One, a.k.a. Rodney Joff, a Sussman client, who assisted with the Alpha Bank hoax. Still there is more. Durham has obtained records stroke documents from 1. The Hillary Clinton campaign. 2. Perkins Coy. 3. Hillary for America. 4. Fusion GPS. 5. A PR firm that advised Perkins Coy regarding public statements about Sussman's meeting with James Baker. 6. Phone logs for numerous current and former FBI employees. Seven, a classified memorandum and related reports of interviews pertaining to a criminal investigation previously conducted by the U.S. Department of Justice regarding a potential leak of classified information. Eight, he also has secured nearly 400 emails between the FBI and Perkins Coy from January 2016 through June 2017. There is also a curious paragraph discussing the fact that Durham in January 2022 learned from the DOJ Inspector General that they possessed two FBI cell phones of the former FBI General Counsel to whom the defendant made his alleged false statement, along with forensic reports analysing those cell phones. Durham's team is going through those cell phones now to analyse their contents. And there will be more, with Durham stating the government expects to receive additional information and documents in the coming weeks that may be relevant to the charged conduct. While we expected some grand jury testimony, the fact that Mark Elias, the DNC Clinton lawyer, was before a grand jury is certainly newsworthy. It's possible that Elias's testimony was limited to Sussman's involvement in the Alpha Bank hoax, As we previously noted, the Sussman indictment provided that Durham obtained emails between Elias and Sussman regarding the Alpha Bank allegations. But consider the possibility that Durham has used the crime fraud exception to compel disclosure of information otherwise subject to privilege and to help elicit testimony under the crime fraud exception. Communications are not privileged when the client consults an attorney for advice that will serve him in the commission of a fraud or crime. In re-grand jury investigation 810, and it's got some of the numbers that I don't really understand, but it was in the Ninth Circuit Court 2016, to meet this burden, Durham had to show two things. One, That the client was engaged in or planning a criminal or fraudulent scheme when it sought the advice of counsel to further the scheme. That Durham demonstrated the attorney-client communications for which production is sought are sufficiently related to and were made in furtherance of the intended or present continuing illegality. All this leads us to believe that Durham is focused on something more substantial than the false Alpha Bank allegations, perhaps the inception of it all, the claim of Russian hacking. As we have said before, consider the possibility that evidence of Russian hacking was placed by the DNC, Perkins Coy et al. for CrowdStrike to conveniently find. So we know from the indictment that Um, Durham is really focused on much more than this particular uh, indictment. Um, It goes right back to the Clinton Foundation, to the DNC, to the Clinton uh, presidential campaign, um, even to the DNC hacking, supposedly, and the death of Seth Rich, of course, who we understand was the actual uh, leaker of the DNC files to WikiLeaks uh, because he um, transferred them onto a thumb drive. And it was established by um, IT analysts that the speed of the download couldn't possibly have been from a remote connection. It must have been to something like the thumb drive. So the plot thickens and obviously this is a very, very detailed and demanding investigation because it's like, you know, the, the tentacles of the octopus. It goes everywhere and Horowitz is now under question for why he withheld the cell phones that have now been made available, um, given that he's actually held these for, Several years, I believe. So, you know, there's more and more dirty work at the crossroads being revealed, I'm glad to say. I have just a few minutes left and I'd like to read a couple of James Gilliland newsletters. Uh, The first is from the 27th, Navigating the Chaos. We spoke earlier about how everything is unravelling, the disinformation, control narratives, how white hats will be shown to be dark hats and dark hats will be shown to be white hats. This is happening in every aspect of society. All of the infiltrations, negative, seen and unseen energies will be made known. People have tied their carts to those they thought were part of the awakening and healing in the beginning, only to find they were in it for fame, fortune or fell. Now guided by darker forces and agendas. I think we've all experienced that. Others started out on the right side of the fence and now have jumped the fence to the other side due to not having a firm spiritual foundation in self-mastery. They could not stick to the basics, allowing the wrong kind of energies to take over. The higher you rise, the more challenged you will become. Not everyone can meet that challenge. The tests get stronger and stronger. Very few can stay on the top and stay clear, often trying to assassinate The character of another only establishes the character and spiritual advancement of the assassin. Unfortunately, many of like mind will join in. What is going to be shocking to most is their entire belief system, and it's got lie in the middle of that word highlighted, is going to crumble. Their leaders will fall and they will be left asking, what do I do now? They were not who I thought they were how much of their information was accurate or true. Remember the best psyops are those that give 80% truth with 20% agenda to steer you in the direction they want. The way to avoid this is to lead yourself. Do your own research. Make your own personal God. Create a great spirit connection. Make your own connection to benevolent spiritually and technologically advanced multidimensional beings. It is and always has been an internal process. Those that have their own personal connections will not be led astray, especially if they come from the heart and use spiritual discernment. Those that depend on external information from others without coming from the heart using spiritual discernment are going to be led down a rabbit hole of disinformation, misinformation, a controlled narrative, social engineering, one disappointment after another. This will be a setback to their ascension. I have watched people and organisations start out with good intentions, only to be hijacked by forces seen and unseen. They rise to the top only to fall, not using critical thinking, not doing your own research. Tying your wagon to another's truth has caused many serious setbacks and problems. In the days to come, you are going to find out people and organisations are not who you thought they were. People you depended on to build your beliefs and foundations. People that started out as a wealth of information, only to be hijacked later. People who give you 80% truth, only to sway you into their deceptions and agendas knowingly and unknowingly, followed by 20% lies to further their agendas. There are also those who have such a strong vested interest in perpetuating the lies and have supported those they know have been compromised at the top in books and articles who often sway from truth and impeccable integrity to be first and foremost in their lives. When you find your entire empire has no foundation in truth, very few will have the impeccable integrity to sacrifice their empires for truth. It is the same with old university professors who have written books totally out of date with old disproven information censoring anyone else that disagrees with them to perpetuate the lie and their title or persona. We live in a world of reinforced, recycled ignorance propped up and maintained by those with vested financial or other interests, which suppresses information and actions that would be highest and best good for humanity. People would literally go mad if they knew how long, how deep the lies and deceptions have been a part in moulding present day society. If you knew how long this has been going on, the lies, deception, social engineering, controlled narratives, and who has been behind it, most would go mad. If you want to work with the spiritually and technologically advanced off-world beings or masters, become one. They are only here to remind us of what is within. They are here to bring heaven to earth, a process of which so many have strayed away from. Let's all get back on course. Be a soul worth contact. And actually, I don't have time to read the second one. I'm going to be on the Say What show following this. So please tune in to that one as well. And uh, I'll share that second newsletter from James Gilliland on there. Um, I want to end with a um, an opinion that I believe we are winning very, very strongly. If you look at these convoys, And if you follow social media, I follow Twitter quite a lot just to see what the general um, feeling is on there. And there are far, far more people who are aware of what's going on, who are calling out the vaccine purveyors and the people that say, oh, it's only a mask. Oh, it's only a vaccine. And saying, do the research. You know, people have awoken On mass, and that is so encouraging. And I think we're going to see big changes come from the number of convoys that are going to be taking place across the world. So keep the faith. I always do. I envisage what is going to happen that is to our advantage and not get caught up in the problem. And I hope you will do the same. So thank you for listening. Um, I hope you've enjoyed the show and that you'll join me next week for another cosmic creating show. And uh, again, you can find me at the successalchemist.net, the, net, the webalchemist.net, and Empowered Manifestation. And of course, thank you to Nancy for producing. You have been listening to the Cosmic Creating Radio Show with Jan Shaw, a production of Cosmic Reality Radio.